Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Antony Rossi. In this, our second year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength of the Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. We're on to the last episode of the month of November 2020, the year that doesn't seem to ever end. (laughs) Uh, And this is going to be um, our last for the year of a mailbag series. Uh, This will be Mailbag 6, The World Speaks. Uh, And in this one, we actually have more international uh, email writers than we've ever had before. Now that we're gaining more of an international audience. So I'm certainly appreciative. Uh, There's a lot of interesting comments over here. So let's get right to it, okay? Uh, I've mentioned this before for anybody else new that might be catching this episode. Uh, The two things that we try to do in this situation is... uh, do our best to, to, if not read the email directly, at least paraphrase it. Not everybody that's writing from us, English is their first language. So we try to help with that the best we can, okay? Also, many times people write this quickly, maybe even emotionally after listening to a show, and oftentimes they don't even mention which show they're referring to. So... um Sometimes we know from the from the email it'll mention it inside the email, and other times uh, it, it it will, or in some instances it simply won't at all, and we just sort of have to guess uh, from what it's saying. So I generally we're able to make a you know a a pairing, but not all the time. I, I think in this case we're we're able to do so, but um, you can certainly judge from yourself. But we we try to do that the best we can. All right, uh, I've noticed. Uh, recently, we've had a lot more uh, listeners uh, using the platform Stitcher, which is one of the ones that one of the earliest ones we used. But it's only been lately that I've seen more and more people use that. So I want to thank you very much, Stitcher uh, listeners. Don't forget, it is one of the few platforms on the internet where you can actually leave comments and feedback about the show. So I invite you to do that. It's always great to listen. Of course, you can always email me directly if you have any other questions or concerns or whatever. All right. All right, let's go on to this. Uh, first one here would be the classic Spotlight series show we did on Rod Serling. It was very interesting. I really loved doing it. We got some uh, really interesting comments, okay? I learned a lot through the show and now have a deeper appreciation of its writer, Rod Serling. So thank you very much for that. Really appreciate that. Next, it's interesting to know what... Rod Sterling has gone through in his life. Now, I, I've been I've been fortunate to get comments that are not necessarily uh, from the email. Um, some shows uh, like uh, Bukowski or um, Sterling, and I'm hoping maybe the one we did on Octavio Paz. I don't have the emails yet, but hopefully we will. Um, I'm able to direct some of those links over to to writing groups that are dedicated to those writers on Facebook, and sometimes the people that are 
talking about that person or maybe interested in something they've done before. In the case of Rod Sterling, there's a lot of people on these these Facebook Twilight Zone ones that uh, they have certain episodes they love. They like to talk about certain actors. You know, uh, the, the show has so many angles you can go on. There's so many actors uh, that made their, their first start in there. I mean, most of the, the crew from Star Trek were on that show uh, including a lot of the a lot of the, the actors you remember later on uh, people like uh, jack clubman and and um uh, i think um what's his name um robert redford and there's just so many i mean really there are uh telly savalas <laughs> there's so many you remember later on in your life and you're like wow they, they got their start on that show so thank you that was one of those from the facebook uh listeners so i appreciate that this one, uh, this next one here is from a, 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 an email listener uh, in Holland or the Netherlands. But, you know, I like to say Holland. Serling understood how prejudice was the foundation of human poor conduct. All else that flows from the poison, from the poisonous river sickens society. All right. I don't know if this person is a writer or not, but it does have a poetic flair to it. Thank you. From Holland, first time we got a, a writer from that. We've had a lot of listeners from Holland, and thank you. This is the first time we got someone that uh, that had a response for a show, so that's great. All right, next. This is from the Future of Writing episode. Afraid I'm one of those who will not comply with this self-promotion philosophy. I will keep writing and take the chance. And even risk anonymity versus hawking my word like some digital pimp. Now, I got what you're saying, and I don't have any problem with uh, your, your your anger about the whole situation. Let's just be accurate, though. If you're doing what I'm asking you to do, like marketing your work, you're not a pimp. Because a pimp sells somebody else's services for money. You're selling your own. So I wouldn't want to call you a pimp. Maybe you're a digital salesman or you know digital uh digital hooligan but not not a digital pimp all right okay that was from belgium thank you all right next one here still in the uh, future of writing marketing is like doing the laundry a necessary evil i wish you were on the wrong on this subject but i know better freedom is only sexy Without the burden of responsibility. <laughs> well said. I certainly agree with everything you just said there. Because that's the truth. That, that's one of the problems we have over there. People, they spend a lifetime fighting for freedom. Talking about freedom. Screaming about freedom. Voting about freedom. And when they get freedom, they sit on the butt and complain about, Oh my God, I got to do some work now. Yes, it's called freedom. You want it, it's not free. And you have to do some work. Alright? Alright, next. If writing has a future, it will be found in making the classics well-known in our school system. Well, you, you can't get any more person that's going to agree to that, but between uh, Common Core and, and, and the media we have out there and, and Hollywood, that's very hard to get anything in the school system that's worth a damn on, on any kind of classic before it's going to get chopped to pieces or in the case of, you know, I hug up Larry Finn, and people want to censor half the stuff it has to say because they're afraid of a couple of words. Um, good luck on that one. But uh, I don't have any problem agreeing with it, I'll tell you that. All right. Uh, oh, 
And then we did a second episode on Poe. We got some people here that they had some interesting comments. Okay, what an eye-opener. And like you, I winced when hearing in his own words how messed up a personality Poe really was. He really was his own worst enemy. And I really think that's the case over there because if Poe, even a portion of the times more than he did, was able to network better and be on better terms with people and just... I don't know, even try to pretend. He, that's the whole thing about Poe. He was so damn honest, he just didn't even know how to pretend to lie, for the most part. You know, his life would have been a little easier, and he would have had a lot, uh, lot less uh, struggle and, 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 and suffering. But that just wasn't who he was. I think I prefer my Poe like I prefer my hot dogs, absent of the knowledge of how they were made. Maybe ignorance is bliss. Yeah. This is true. Uh, I, I remember my father telling me a long time ago, you know, the closer you get to the heroes, you know, the, the more you start reaching real people. Because uh, you'll notice there's a lot of flaws underneath all that superhero stuff. All, all the achievements and all that stuff, it comes at a price. Sometimes the price, like Gandhi was, his children saying that he was like a horrible father. Yet everybody looked at him as like the peacemaker of the world, almost like a spiritual super being. His children say he, he sucked. You know, so there you go on that. You got, of course, a lot of other writers that had all kinds of marital issues, addiction issues, the issues uh, of demons from the past, uh, illnesses like George Orwell, constantly dealing with his, with his poor health. So... You know, it's easy to put these folks on a pedestal, but it's not really always the best thing because the more you want to find out about them, I'm sorry to say, the more you become disappointed. I'm not saying you shouldn't find out about them. I'm just saying that that's going to be the case. So much sorrow in genius. You must question who would want such a burden for a lifetime. And I agree. That was from a, a, a listener in South Africa. I definitely agree on that. Who would want that? Oh, you know that a lot of this stuff, this is built into some of these people, unfortunately. I don't know if it's the the karmic price you pay for being brilliant. Or, I don't know, but it sure seems that way. All right, we did a great interview on the, the Scottish writer uh, Stephen Lang. He lives over in El Salvador doing an uh, educational assignment over there and very interesting work. I really appreciate them coming on board. All right, here's from a, a listener in Taiwan for the first time getting a listener from Taiwan. All right. And I think he's being tongue-in-cheek a little bit on this, so I'm not going to take it too too strangely. Uh, we know the Scots can fight, but I didn't know they could write. Uh, just kidding. Very nice to show that that Lang chap with a sonnet in his heart and a heart for the literary journal journey. I'm sorry. This episode was refreshing and reminds me of how universal good writing can be. Kind of help him a little bit with the English on that, but uh, thank you, a listener from Taiwan. Very interesting. Next, it was a pleasure to spend the evening with Steve Lang, a most interesting writer, combining the spiritual old with the mechanical presence. It reassures me the soul is not lost in the digital madness 
but still alive in the lines of meaningful verse. I certainly uh, agree, and that guy's definitely uh, keeping it going there, no doubt about it. Thank you very much, uh, Steve Lang, for that uh, interview and for people responding to it. All right. So we got one here on uh, writing during wartime, okay? This is from someone in Angola. In fact, I got three letters, emails, excuse me, uh, from people about this uh, writing during uh, wartime, and they were all from international sources, so that's, that's pretty interesting. All right, reading the letters brings me back to a time in the Boer War. When I first read that, I'm like, uh, no, this dude can't be over 100 years old. But I, you know, I kept reading, and then I'm like, oh, okay, cool. All right. Reading uh, the letter brings me back to a time in the Boer War. And some of the letters I read in the library from soldiers in that conflict. When more of this material comes to the Internet, I do hope you expand your war correspondence accordingly. That was from a listener in Angola. Thank you. Uh I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, and, and it does bear to, uh, reminding to the audience that I don't mean to make everything uh, uh, American. It's just sometimes on, on this particular subject in, in particular, like, like you'll notice the one I, I do next month on um, writing during uh, political imprisonment, you know, I have a whole host of international characters. And why do I? Because that stuff is readily available for me to see. You know how hard it is to get even a, a letter from another country during the war on the Internet someplace? A lot of that stuff hasn't been cataloged, indexed on the Internet at all. And I, I'm not leveling any criticism of anybody. It's just the truth. And if I want to make a show, I still want to have the topic relevant. I got to go with what I can find. So, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, but understand this, okay? That's really a show to talk about writing during the wartime. I'm not really sure if I'm going to have any more shows that way or not. I don't really know. And if I do, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for me to make a, a show about the correspondence between the, you know, the, uh, the British... Uh, um, Orange State and the Orange Free State and the South African Republic or whatever. I mean, it makes no sense because I'll have 20 other people asking me, when are you going to do one on French? When are you going to do one on this and that? I'm, I'm, that's, that's not what we're trying to do on the show. I'm trying to bring that particular topic up. I used what I had at the time, different wars, and kind of went with that. So, and that's really why I'm stuck with that. You'll find a lot of other shows, especially the one I did on the female gender. I didn't even think I had an American writer in there. Everybody was from someplace else, and that's great. I wanted to be as diverse as possible and try to cover a lot of different decades and centuries as I could, and, and that worked out really nice. So I don't like to make everything American-centric. I only really do it when it, when it just simply becomes a, a more convenient uh, versus, you know, trying to get a show done for an hour or so. And, you know, I have like one or two sources or something. It just doesn't really help. All right, next. I salute your efforts to find new paths to explore writing in all its glorious forms. England has a long history of war writing, and you'd like to see, I'd like to see a show on that one day in the future. And that was from somebody from England, Nine Kingdom. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I referred to you to the comments I just had a few moments ago. All right. But yeah, I definitely appreciate that. I I'm sure there was all kinds of interesting letters from people uh, as they were, you know, like, Killing uh, villages during the Revolutionary War in America, <laughs> but uh, I don't really have access to those. All right, okay, all right. Another one here, and this is another one from England. I saddened with the irony upon hearing 
more humanity from letters of soldiers than the actions of soldiers. Without forethought, your episode speaks more to the dire straits of the human condition than any literary enlightenment. I don't argue with your point. I mean, I just say that your point, as valid as it is, as relevant as it is, doesn't cover the whole picture. Okay? Now, I'm not saying in, in my show that I cover every angle about what the war corresponds, what war writing uh, means, because I don't. I cover as much as I think is useful for the episode. But yeah, you could always go in a more darker philosophical way like you did, that in many ways... Uh, why are these people so interesting, happy-go-lucky, and then they're out there shooting and killing each other? I don't know. That's a complexity of, of human nature. We've been uh, studying for a couple of centuries now. Not a damn philosopher yet has an answer. Not a, not a religious figure seems to have an answer. Other than, you know, um, you'll get better as you reincarnate into other forms, or you're born with original sins, so you need a savior, or everybody has a gimmick or something. Nobody really has an answer of why we are uh, quite dark and, and why we always want to dominate each other and why we can't figure out ways to try to improve each other and improve our own human nature. I'd love an answer for that. I don't have one, but it was important to bring about these into the show, and that's why I did. I appreciate you very much writing in. All right. Now, we had some... We had a couple of comments about Hold on there. Okay. Yeah, we had a couple of comments about um, the uh, the one show I did, the audio memoir uh, two, and uh, I was you know talking about my own use of journals, my own use of trying to do some self therapy now and then. I'm doing some works on when I was in Germany, how that's sort of been a, a personal uh, therapeutic and literary breakthrough. So I had some uh, some comments uh, about that. Let me uh, let me get that. Alright, All right, thank you. Uh, this one is from France, uh, ironic enough. Uh, I wanted to thank you for bringing out your thoughts and, and your, even your notes to our attention. I really think that it speaks well for you to be able to speak about things that are not always easy to recommend or even easy to, to disclose to people. Uh, your constant um, and consistent I think that's what he's saying. Constant, yeah, constant and consistent focus on depression in the arts is commendable, and I wish that we can continue to hear more going into the new year. Thank you uh, very much for that. Try to do our best on that situation because it is a you know a, a real a real topic uh, of importance for many writers and and, uh, and uh, just artistic people in general. And I'm still. I don't know. I guess you could say disappointed that uh, more shows simply don't bring this on. I don't know why. You know, I like to to be able to say that um, uh, we're the only show that does particular this particular thing or that particular thing because that's always a not only a marketing thing, but it's a point of pride as well. But on something like that, I wish they all would do that once in a while because I don't really need to take pride in that. I really think the message should go out further than me. But what are you going to do? You, you can't get people to be. Uh, interest to that if they're not or maybe it's just too close of a, a subject for their own situation and I got that so 
So thank you from that uh, listener from France. All right, next one is uh, uh, another international listener. This is my first uh, listening from Panama. This is great, actually, from Panama City, as they say in the email. That's pretty awesome. Usually I don't get to hear the what city or town they're from. They just say the country. But that's great. I appreciate that very much. I particularly love this episode. I wish you did this more on a regular basis. I really think that listening to a, a memoir of anything that a writer is doing, whether it's their habits or other interests or even some of the struggles they have, it helps all writers. And I really think that you should do more of this as a as a form of therapy, not only for yourself, or maybe for members of the audience. Well, thank you very much for that. I haven't thought about it in that fashion before, and, and I'll give that some real thought. I, I'm not against it. It's just that, uh, like anything else, whatever I do on a regular basis, if I do on a regular basis, you, know, you want to make sure you have the materials for that. I, I don't want to just go on stretching out stuff for me. Well, I'm if I didn't have a productive couple of months, and I don't have months to be able to stay on the show like that. So, you know, I'd have to really see, uh, you know, um, I, I definitely feel I could do another um, but, Beyond that, I don't know yet, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it in mind. Okay, thank you for that. All right, uh, last one here is uh, here we go. Another one on the uh, audio memoir. I really like this particular episode, and I was went back to the first one that I listened to last year, and I noticed there was a dramatic difference in that because this one you seem to be. Uh, uh, speaking more uh, of the darker side of things, and that I, I found uh, not only illuminating, but also refreshing. Uh, I, I do grow uh, uh, tired of literary shows that become more about just books and, and the surface of things and the superficiality of, of the world and, and maybe even just uh, pushing a one person uh, above another and not really getting into the meat of, of the writing and of the art of, of the literary worlds. You do a fine job in this and I'd like you to continue. Uh, thank you very much. That was from a, a listening, a listener from Costa Rica. This is great. Uh, I've had a number of listeners from Costa Rica. In fact, Costa Rica was the first country that came on board from Central America on this show. Um, and it's the first time I heard from any of them. From So that, thank you very much for that. That's great. Really appreciate that. A lot of expatriates all over the place. So I'm really not surprised that more and more of these countries, as they come on board, you know, really, um, you know, have a, a, only an appreciation for literature, but also, you know, enough of an understanding uh, to um, to communicate to us and, you know, and, and get out their thoughts as well. Uh, I'm getting more and more listeners to India. Still been a big, big uh, project of mine to try to get more involved. Hopefully I'll hear some India um, listeners one day with these emails. I can't wait. It's going to be really interesting when that does happen. But until then, uh, we'll, we'll continue on what we're doing. It really is, in my, in my opinion, an exciting thing to be able to hear from people matter where they come from. Because it really tells you something about the show that you do. Because I, I tell you, folks, it doesn't really matter how much I know about the topic how much I outline it and feel comfortable about it. Every time you do a show like this, no matter what you're talking about, you don't know how it's going to be received. It happens, you know. I mean, it really does. You just never know. I've had some shows that, you know, I, I even though I thought they went well, they don't have a lot of downloads to them. It's almost like they just 
people wasn't interested in it. They didn't pass the word on. They didn't care. Where other ones, you just never know. I'm always surprised that the audio memoir even has an audience. I didn't think it would be that interesting. Talking about my stuff and writing in a journal and doing stuff about Germany and this, that, therapy. and blah, blah, blah. Who knew anyone would even give a crap about that? You know, So it, it's just uh, often very amazing by that. I'm also amazed, too, that as well as the Bukowski uh, episode did for the show and got us more of an audience uh, back that crowd, I mean, it got beat out by Rod Sterling. Who would have expected that? I mean, I expected that Rod Sterling would, would have a, a real decent following, but I didn't expect that it would just be so strong. It's just amazing. It continues every day. So um, that's really a, an exciting thing to hear people talk about the show and and definitely uh, uh, interested. A lot of times they learned things about Rod Sterling they didn't realize before. It's amazing how few people knew stuff about him. So it's great to see that because I always find it uh, just amazing that you hear that, that music and you know it's Twilight Zone, all right? You hear the voice, you know it's Rod Sterling. You see his picture, he's, you know, he's sitting in a corner somewhere, excuse me, standing in the corner somewhere smoking a cigarette. You know exactly the guy, and, and then you realize later on, you know, I don't know a damn thing about this guy. I just know what he looks like. I know he smokes a cigarette. I know he's talking about social issues. I know his voice and his narration. I know the, the theme of the saw of the show. I know every holiday they have a marathon of it, and, and that's about all you know. You don't know anything else. So I always find that amazing that so few people knew so little about the guy. And I think I think we're going to find the same thing out next month when we do the uh, this classic spotlight on on Gene Roddenberry. We're going to find out some interesting things about about him that a lot of people did not know at all. And, and I think they'll find it, you know, fascinating. Because, again, you hear his name, you just think of Star Trek, you don't really know too much more. You know? He wasn't even a guy that did a million interviews or anything. I mean, to his credit, Rod Serling did a lot of interviews. It's just that he never did interviews about himself. It was always about his work. A philosophy of the world, social justice, social writing, all of that. He just never really talked about himself too much. And I think uh, Gen Gene Roddenberry, in a certain instances, is the same way. He just didn't do as many of those, which is it makes it more difficult to learn more about him. But we got some material, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. So it's going to be a, a hell of an interesting episode. I'm also looking forward to the uh, the writing during a political imprisonment episode. So that's going to be really interesting. Got a lot of great material on that from a lot of interesting uh, characters, so to speak. Now, I'm going to do the show because I, I, I didn't want to just restrict it to maybe, you know, five or six people that wrote important stuff while they were in jail. And then later on, they became famous and stuff like that. I think it's also a relevant point to be able to talk about people who wrote things after they became uh, after they became uh, out of prison, after they got out of imprisonment, then they wrote something that was important to me. There's still direct relationship, so I still consider it like writing during imprisonment in many ways because they're probably thinking about it anyway and contemplating it. And then they, you know, when they got out, I'm like, let me write this down. So we're gonna do both of those just to make sure that in the end we kind of cover a lot of that topic. It'll be really interesting because it's far different. And writing during wartime because the people that are writing during wartime, for the most part, they're average people, average soldiers, and not creative people per se. They're just doing something to communicate out to their to the world or to their families or 
for all they know, it's the last time they have a communication with somebody before they get killed in battle. Well, Biden doing political imprisonment is completely different. These people are already that are figures trying to make social change happen. So they're already versed on how to write sermons and how to write speeches to how to write letters to, to newspapers. So they're already people that are uh, creative in that fashion. So it's just that the acts of the things that were done against them kind of elevates the you know, their game on writing, and it makes it even more relevant. So it's going to be terribly interesting, I'll tell you that. we got a, a real wonderful uh, series uh, called Germinal Joust, and that's going to be taking writing in, in different directions, priority, passion, pledge, and, and seeing what that writing can do. When you make it a priority, when you make it a passion, or when you make it a pledge, believe it or not, all three of those things, they seem to have a commonality and they do, but they also have a real diversion, and we're going to talk about that and, and how that makes it relevant to writing. So it's fun to have one of those series again. I haven't had one in a while, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to talking about different poetic forms and the experimental version of writing. Let's talk a little bit about if we can try to do something different, not to beat up on sonnets or haikus. Keep going and doing whatever you want on that. If you feel comfortable, why not? There's nothing wrong with that. There's some even magazines that devoted to that. But, you know, if we are going forward into the 21st century, we got rocket ships going up to the space every day, we should try to do something a little bit different, too. See if we can break out of our own habits, see if we can create something, you know, experimental or, uh, or creative outside of our comfort zone. Maybe in that, we can get some kind of new creative insight. So that's why I wanted to try to look into that. Definitely looking forward to doing the... Um, Classic Spotlight series on uh, Maya Angelou, a very, very interesting woman on so many different fronts, really wrote some some great uh, poetry, a lot of it that you can use almost like, uh, I feel like, uh, like the Psalms and the Bible. Some of it can be very soothing. I know people that actually write it down and, you know, bring it with them and say it to themselves sometimes when they're having a, a rough day. That's, that's a hell of a poet when you can do that. So she was a fascinating woman. Uh, even wrote a poem for the uh, the uh, the presidential election uh, inauguration of uh, Bill Clinton. So she does some interesting things. And I even put it out as a mini book. It's a long poem, but it was interesting. Uh, and I really liked it. So it's just great to see poets doing something different out there and getting a little attention. So definitely happy to, to see and, and hear about that from, from her. All right, folks. I want to wrap this up over here. I want to thank everybody for listening, showing their support with these letters. Obviously, keep them coming. I, I certainly uh, enjoy doing them and putting them on the on the show. Uh, thank you for listening and, and passing this along to other people around the world so we can continue to grow the show and become that much bigger and, and, and stronger going into the uh, the year uh, 2021, which uh, I never, I tell you, I never could not wait for a year to come and says like this one. I really like to just put this whole year behind me and, and try not to remember it ever happens. It's just so horrible from one end to the other, I tell you. But um, let's hope that uh, 2021 is going to be a better year for all of us, all right? Until then, God bless, folks. That's uh, episode 167. Mailbox, mailbag six, World Speaks. God bless.
Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.